The following is a sermon that was preached at Good News Lutheran Church in Mount Horb, Wisconsin. It was preached on Sunday, August 1st, 2021, on the basis of verses from 2 Timothy chapter 4. For more information or to view our entire sermon library, visit goodnewslc.org. Thank you for listening. If you can tap into that, that bottomless bank of forgotten education in your mind, then you might just be able to, to pull out a few tidbits, at least the adults in the room, pull out a few tidbits from your old high school American lit class. So if you'll follow me, wade past the scarlet letter and the great white whale and skirt around that deep murky sea of symbolism. And if you can find him, go straight to Ernest Hemingway. Because even if you don't actually remember any of his actual stories, any of the things that he wrote, you might be able to at least formulate some foggy idea of the adventurous masculine ideal that Ernest Hemingway tried to embody. And all of that sort of translated over into his writing in a figure that literary scholars call the Hemingway hero. It's the main character, who's almost always a man, whose personal, unwritten, and very often unspoken code of personal honor is unassailable, even as a bad world goes on to assail the man himself with danger and hardship. The Hemingway hero always does what is right, or at least what he believes to be right, and he always pushes forward, even when he sees disgrace, defeat, and death at the end of the path that he has chosen for himself, or the path that his personal code of honor has led him down. And so now if you can tap into your, your real-life knowledge of history, you may be able to pick out a dozen or more real-life men and women who kind of fit the bill for the Hemingway Hero Award. And one of them, I'm fairly certain, was the Apostle Paul. As we read through Acts, as we read through Paul's letters to the various churches that he serves, we find a ministry that is fraught with, with violent opposition very often, with, with physical, spiritual, and emotional peril on every side, and yet nowhere in there do we find Paul retreating into self-pity or despair. He did the work of an evangelist for over 20 years, not only for God's glory, but for the salvation of those far from home, without giving up. And now in today's reading, Paul recognizes that by all outward appearances, that adventure is coming to its natural conclusion with his execution. And he's ready for it. But what sets Paul apart from Ernest Hemingway and all his heroes is that Paul's courage and integrity did not spring out of some vague masculine ideal of what was right, and it wasn't rooted in his own self-image. In other words, Paul was not the hero of his own story. And neither are we. And so that's important to remember because we are moving into a time when the uselessness of casual faith, when the uselessness of being a lukewarm Christian is becoming more and more obvious every day. And so in Paul's confession here, we find the great value of perseverance, of, of keeping a good conscience, of fighting the good fight well, period. But in Paul's hope, we find out who the real hero of our story is, and that makes all the difference in this fight. We read, For now I am being poured out like a drink offering, and the hour for my departure is at hand. And there is no other way 
that this could have ended for Paul. After years and years of spreading the gospel message and after everything he had suffered in order to do it, fleeing death, denying death at this point would have meant nothing short of abandoning the gospel and denying the Savior that he had already suffered so much for. So that was unthinkable for him. The writer to the Hebrews says, and we read this two weeks ago if you remember it, but the writer to the Hebrews says, remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Well, Paul's reached the outcome. Paul is very much at the outcome of his way of life. And he's accepted that outcome. He has long awaited, eagerly hoped for this outcome. And now at the onset of that outcome, all he can do is consider the way of life that brought him here. I have fought the good fight. He says, I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Looking back, Paul, there are three things that keep Paul at peace in this dark hour. Firstly, his fight was a good fight. His struggle was a noble struggle. Entirely independent of the fighter or his performance, the battle was worth the fighting. So from the outset, Paul's conscience is clear, even as he's chained up like a criminal, even as he suffers all the things that he suffered. Secondly, he has persevered in this struggle all the way to, to the natural conclusion that perseverance brings people to. It makes sense that if you are unwavering in your perseverance, unwavering in your goal, even in the face of op opposition, eventually that perseverance is not going to work out. That perseverance is going to get you killed. And yet Paul can say that he has confidently finished his race. You know, if you, if you run 26 miles of a marathon and throw in the towel. It's impressive, but you will take home no prize and no pride unless you run that last point two miles. Paul understands that, and he's finishing his race. Finally, enveloping all of these things, Paul has kept the faith. Not only has he, he taken up a noble cause, and not only has he persevered in that noble cause, but he has not met his righteous, and in, in, the, in the pursuit of meeting his righteous goal, he has not ever resorted to unrighteous means. He has not deviated from the gospel. He has not cheapened the message. And all of this outward turmoil, all of this strain and struggle in his life serves to give him peace of conscience at the end. And it would be the easiest thing in the world to think that that was just for Paul. Or that being a good Christian, fighting the good fight, and keeping a clean conscience in our lives is just for us, just for our own benefit. But that really misses the point of Christian conduct. And suddenly it becomes no problem to set those, goal, those goals of Christian living aside when it gets inconvenient if we think that we're only serving ourselves with it. And here's where our lives line up with Paul's. We are still carrying on the good fight in a bad world, carrying the name of Christ with us and bringing the, the message of Christ to a world that does not want to believe it. And they will have even less of a reason to believe it if we cannot live as if we believe it too. Because righteous living is rarely, if ever, independent of righteous convictions. And so the words we speak, the way we choose to spend our time, the way we choose to make our living, and the, and the place that our faith has in our lives all say something about the, the, the incomparable quality and worth of Jesus Christ. To Paul 
And for all those who knew the gospel, fighting the good fight well, running your race well, and keeping the faith are not about farming your own salvation. That couldn't possibly be the case. But they are about making sure that we do nothing in our lives to hinder the salvation of others. And that's where the Hemingway hero falls short. His manliness, his toughness, his steadfastness under pressure, and his, his occasional indulgence are all their own quiet reward. He's the hero of his own story, and he's the hero for his own sake. And when that's the case, the whole point of being a hero is missed. Because when that unwavering perseverance brings him to its natural conclusion, he's completely defeated. Lights out. Game over. He's done. And even his perseverance is gone forever. And I wouldn't stand here lecturing you about some, some, some literary trope if it didn't reflect the very real, dolled-up belief in nothing that many people believe in. And I wouldn't be talking about it if we were immune to it, even as people who very much believe in something. Now, as much as we may be tempted to be lazy in fighting the good fight, we can just as easily believe that in, in toughness, for toughness' sake, in perseverance for, for, for earthly glory, and for endurance for the sake of being remembered, you know, I don't have to tell you that why that doesn't work, why that doesn't last. I don't have to tell you why at the end of your life, none of that will matter. To Paul, none of that is any concern. He understands that the impact of the good fight is earthly, but its outcome and its reward is eternal. As for the future, the crown of righteousness is laid away for me, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day. And not only to me, but to all those who have loved his appearing. If Paul were the hero of his own story, he could not write these words. No matter how well the good fight was fought, no matter how well his race was run, no matter how well he kept the faith, if Paul were the hero of his story, then right here his story ends in defeat with his death. But now at the edge of all that we know, Paul clearly sees that what is in store for him is not the reward of his own suffering, no matter how much it was. It's not the reward of his suffering, but Christ's suffering. And we can say that confidently because Paul confesses that that crown is not awarded for a fight well fought or a race well run, but that crown is rewarded to those who have longed for Jesus appearing. Beyond works, beyond righteousness, beyond all human glory and heroics, the beating heart of the Christian faith is love for Jesus. Love for Jesus without which we can take no joy in our reward, much less the fight, because he is the reward. The psalmist writes, Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire beside you. My strength and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Eternal life is worthless and heaven is totally empty for me if my heart is not satisfied by Jesus, gladdened by Jesus, driven in everything I do by a desire to be with Jesus. 
Because rest from our labor and life out of death and joy out of sadness, all the things that make heaven heavenly flow out of him who has opened its gates to us. And so there can be no deeper longing and no higher hope for the Christian than coming face to face with your Savior. And why? Because Jesus is the hero of our story. If you want to talk about a man who fought the good fight well, who endured suffering in, in, in all its forms, and who held to his convictions until they killed him, then look no further than Jesus. You size him up against the Hemingway hero, and you find that he meets all the criteria, and yet he blows them all out of the water. He, he, he outdoes them all because he met his death and every indignity that it entailed with courage. And yet, his death was so much more than his final act of fearlessness, his final display of masculinity. It was that great exchange of his worth for mine. That trade-off of his persistent integrity for our consistent lack of it. And so as the hero of our story, Christ now wears that crown of glory forever and ever. But to us, Paul writes, to us is given the crown of righteousness. Righteousness. The reward of the good fight that he fought for us. That he won for us. You know, I've never seen Jesus. You've never seen Jesus. But when I survey the wondrous cross, when I consider the disgrace, defeat, and death from which he procured our victory, I long for his appearing. I cannot wait to see him. And so at the end of Paul's race, at the end of Paul's life rather, a life that was short in the grand scheme of things but made so much longer by his sufferings, he can't look back and consider any of it a waste. In fact, looking back, Paul considers all the things that he could have been, all the things he could have had, all the things he could have done, and he calls it all a heap of dung. Because at the end of his life, that's all it would have been if he could not gain Christ. But to gain Christ, to know at the end of his life, to look into the darkness of death and see Christ on the other side, not only makes our sufferings worthwhile, it makes them a joy. And so oddly enough, you know, we often paint Paul as the hero of our faith. And we should. He's a fine example. He's a saint. There's a reason that we talk about him so much. And yet the only reason that we can do that is because the hero of Paul's story is also the hero of ours, Jesus. And like I said before, the, the way that we go about fighting the good fight is a demonstration to the world of the quality and worth of Jesus Christ. But it's his quality and worth that makes that good fight worth fighting in the first place. And because he is the hero of our story, the end of that good fight may be the end of the fight, but it's not the end of the story. It would be disingenuous, totally disingenuous, for me to say that it is dangerous to be a Christian in America. It isn't. Not by comparison, not by a long shot. But it is hard. It is difficult. Because our hero followed a path, the one that we follow, followed a path that totally cuts against the grain of our sinful desires, both internally and in society. But at the point of death, when it would be the most natural time to feel that burden of our faith, consider instead your way of life and remember its purpose. 
Consider the outcome of your way of life and consider its source. And consider the hero of your story who has made his victory ours and long for his appearing. Amen. <laughs>